Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Well, it's just one of those games at the moment, Clyde. Very the U.S. women won the World Cup. Now it's time for them to cash in. The final of the soccer tournament drew record ratings and awareness of the sport and its stars, such as Carly Lloyd, whose hat trick led to a four-goal lead and ultimately a three-goal victory over Japan. Corporate endorsement deals should be in her future. Lloyd is likely to climb into the top 25 of the Power 100 Sponsorship Index for all athletes, male and female, near tennis champ Serena Williams. $4.8 billion. That's how much organizers of the Boston 2024 Summer Olympics think the bid could bring in. They see expenses at $4.6 billion, so a profit of $200 million may be in the cards. The so-called bid 2.0 leaves several major venue questions unanswered, including the location of a cycling velodrome, an aquatic center, and a media headquarters. United States Olympic Committee Chairman Larry Probst says Boston backers now must show Dramatic gains in public approval in order to maintain the organization's support. Sochi, Tokyo, and London all won over a skeptical public before winning the games, but many Boston critics are opposed to the Olympics, apparently on principle. $100 million. That's how much the University of Alabama is getting for a 10-year extension of its exclusive deal with College Licensing Company, or CLC. The Crimson Tide is one of the few schools to receive a guarantee rather than a royalty. Alabama ranks first among CLC's best-selling schools, just ahead of Texas and Michigan. Other universities trying to follow Alabama's lead, of course, at a much lower dollar figure. Schools also trying to maximize revenue through facility naming, beer sales, and other methods. They want to have funds available to pay student-athletes if that becomes a reality. Think scholarships stipends, and licensing rights besides pure cash. Now on to my conversation with Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, which took place before reports surfaced of an FBI investigation into the St. Louis Cardinals for hacking into the Houston Astros database. Commissioner Rob Manfred, so it's September of 1959, and it's your first birthday party, and you're sitting there, I assume, in Rome, New York. And were you thinking at that time that you'd end up being Commissioner of Baseball 50 or so years later? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I was going to be Commissioner of Baseball when I went to work for MLB in 1998 and probably didn't even think that 10 years later. It was really not my goal. Um, When I went to work for baseball, I was focused on improving what had been uh, a really sorry state of labor relations, and that was really my goal. It's not an otherly comparison, but it is an interesting uh, parallel career track with basketball and hockey and and football that, uh, at least with Paul Tagliabue and, of course, Gary and David Stern, you don't start out intending to be commissioner. You start out at a law firm. You end up working for that league through that law firm, and then the rest is history. Interesting dynamic, isn't it? It is. It is. I I think that um, you've seen a change in that area. Um, I mean, I think at one point in history, uh, it was common for leagues to take outsiders, outside lawyers, whatever. Um, I see the current generation of commissioners a little bit different. Adam, myself, Roger, mm-hmm. all came up 
through the ranks. I mean, I started as an outside lawyer, but I was there for 14 years inside before I was elected. Is there an automatic time where you raise your hand and say, all right, it's been 14 years, I paid my dues, here it is. Adam, a, a little bit, Roger, 60, 18 years and counting? Yeah, it, no, I, I mean, I, look, it, it, it happens organically, right? I mean, people start to talk about it in the business, people start to write about it, and that's really how you become a candidate. You are, at this point, um, the, one of the valuable perceptions is not a whole lot of people know you, and I don't mean that as a negative, but there's certainly advantages not to be the lightning rod. Mm -hmm. Give us an idea of, of what you do day to day, the important stuff you do day to day. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a routine person yeah. um, in terms of my daily activities. Um, you know, I try to begin the day with some exercise. Um, I'm pretty religious about that. Um, during the season I get to the office, the first thing I do is review the replays from the night before. Mm. Uh, I think our replay system is a fantastic piece of technology and um, it, it is actually fun to look at the videos and decide whether I could have gotten it right with or without uh, super slow motion. Um, and then, you know, my, in a routine day in the office, um, I spend a lot of time with my six direct reports. I have a lot of really strong people. Um, that work with me on a day-to-day -day basis and you know if I can get through the six of them in a day I have a pretty good idea about what's going on in the business. And, and so Bud Selig among his other wonderful legacy items he was known as a, a great communicator mm -hmm. and the rumor was he talked to every owner every day not possible there's not enough time to do all of that. <laughs> how important is, is communicating certainly it's important to know what the owners want mm -hmm. but how important is direct communication to the owners? Uh, direct communication with the owners is crucial I mean there, there's 30 of them they are your constituency. Um, I keep a, a little tracking sheet so that you know if somebody goes a while and I haven't spoken th mm. to them in the ordinary course, just routine business, I do try to reach out and make sure that, that, that I've been in touch with each of the 30 in relatively short periods of time. Once a day, I think was an exaggeration with Bud and probably <laughs> not possible for me in terms of work schedule. We do try to communicate different ways. Um, you, you know, uh, we have taken to a uh, monthly update for our owners directed specifically to them as to what we're doing in the office, what's going on, what we think's happening in the industry. Um, and I do use email and more modern forms of communication that Bud was not enamored of. What, what do you think your, your legal and, and business role is relative to the labor union? Uh, your bosses are the owners, right? And are your labor are they partners or are they allies? They're certainly not adversaries relative to labor peace these days. So right. characterize. Look, we, I think we have a positive traditional yeah. union management relationship with the MLBPA. Um, we've worked very hard within the normal construct of labor relations that, that that's laid out under federal law to have a positive working relationship um, to foster the notion among our players that working together is the best way to grow the business. And so you've been obviously involved with baseball, let me get the, the numbers right, 28 years but, but, but full-time 18? Um, 90, I 19, you don't even remember. Yeah. No, I started full-time in 98, so 17 years. And then CEO for a little brief time right. until that was redefined. Um, uh, what have you discovered as commissioner that you didn't expect? Well, I think the, the most, the two things that, that really have struck me. Number one, you have to be so much more careful about what you say, particularly what you say publicly. 
um, you know, in the various roles that I had since I came inside, I would do public things, but people didn't pay that much attention to them. Um, you, you know, now you, you have to be real careful uh, about what you say. And secondly, it's just the time demands are very, very different. Um, it, uh, th there's a certain sort of public aspect to the job, uh, but I am, am and remain a task person. You know, I, yeah. there are things that, that I need to get done in the office and balancing those two things is tricky. It's that linear thinking that, that we're taught as lawyers. Right, <laughs> right. That's, right. That's the bottom line. There's a problem, you gotta solve it, right? <laughs> gotta solve it. Let's do real quick, because um, you can't solve all of these today, but let's do uh, um, rapid fire substance for a couple okay. of minutes. Um, Hall of Fame, uh, steroid user Hall of Fame issues long term. I um, think it's a writer issue. Um, there's always been issues with respect to individual players that the writers have to sort out, and that's their job. Oakland A's, San Jose, Bay Area stadium issues. Uh, Want to see a new facility, preferably in Oakland. Uh, World Baseball Classic. Huge fan of the World Baseball Classic. I think it's the key to the internationalization of the game and intend to continue to grow the product. 154 game schedule. A uh, huge economic issue for us, uh, lost TV revenue, lost gates, but something that's at least worth thinking about. Length of games. I think that it is a topic that we will continue to work on. I think we're off to a great start on it. Great player cooperation this year has produced good results. Can you hit a curveball? No. <laughs> okay. That's quick. <laughs> what excites you about baseball? You're a fan? I'm a huge fan. Um, you know, I'll tell you, the the first experience that I had walking into a ballpark was uh, walking up into the bowl and seeing the actual field at Yankee Stadium. How old were you? I was 10 mm -hmm. at the time, it was 1968. Uh, and I will tell you, every time I go into the ballpark, that same experience hits me over again. Um, I try to watch as many games as I can, um, and I'm a huge fan of the, our own MLB network because it yeah. really does keep you up to date on what's going on in the game. The competition of commissionership, Tom Warner, that's over. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you were a lifelong fan of the Evil Empire, do you get along with the Red Sox folks? I, I, you know, I, I will tell you, the, uh, the great thing about our election process, I think, was it was open. Um, people had their say. There were a variety of candidates. But since the election's been over, I really have the feeling that all 30 owners have been completely supportive. So you have a choice of the things that you're most proud of, uh, uh, not you personally uh, that you've done, but of baseball, that average franchise values are now a, a billion two, uh, the longest labor piece of, of, of any league. Uh, you personally were involved in that first drug testing agreement in 2002. Uh, collective value of teams is over 36 billion. According to Forbes, may or may, may, or may not be right, um, or, or that the Yankees are worth two and a half billion. I, I think the thing that um, the industry has to be most proud of is the sustained period of labor peace. Um, and I think the reason they should be proud of it, it has driven all of the other issues that you raise, number yeah. one and number two. It was something that was extraordinarily difficult to accomplish given our history. So if you were commissioner for a day and could wave a magic, oh, you are. <laughs> What's the one thing you want to change? What's, the, what's your top priority right now? Can I tell you something? I think that um, it is really important to continue to modernize our game. And I think that's a difficult, it's easy to say, mm -hmm. but in baseball it's a difficult thing because you always have to change the game while being respectful yeah. of the history and traditions of the game. It's so finding that appropriate balance 
um, it, it is very difficult, but I do think it's important that our game continue to evolve with our society. Does that also mean the appeal to the younger demographics? When we were in school, we remember slipping the little uh, earphone in and right. remember the, uh, the old uh, Yankee dynasties of the 60s, and you'll remember that. And you stepped out in the afternoon to skip right. school to watch a World Series game. Now right. you can't do that. Well, look, I do think appealing to young people is crucial for us, but I also think that baseball um, is misrepresented in, in, in this regard. Um, I think people look at Nielsen ratings and demographics and broadcasts, and they forget things like 5.7 million people yeah. a day open at bat, engage with our game on a daily basis, and the average age of those people is 30 years yeah. old. So I think measuring demographics by broadcast data is passe, and you have to look more completely at what's going on in the media environment. Well, let's talk about TV for a second. We're here at Synopsis Media Conference. What does TV look like 10 years from now? Is it an extension of your mobile device? Is it the laptop? Do people look at that, that thing on the wall and say, what was that? I think, no, I don't think that the traditional cable delivery system is going to go away. Um, I'm a believer that the cable model will survive. It may shrink a little bit. And you're going to see more com a consumer choice as a result of improvements in technology that are distinct from that cable model. When you're at the All-Star Game in the Cincinnati this year and you're in the front row, will you make sure that your folks around you don't have the cameras focusing on you in the 14th inning when people run out of pitchers? <laughs> you learn, right? You right. Learn. You, yeah. you do learn from everything that goes on. Um, I think that uh, uh, we will produce a uh, show on the field in Cincinnati that keep, will keep the cameras focused on the field. As you have a chance to craft your image as you do your day-to-day -day job, for people that don't know you mm -hmm. and are the newest rookie commissioner on the block. What is the most important thing you want baseball fans to know about you? What I think, uh, I want fans to come to understand that we're open to discussing change in the game, um, we're prepared to consider new ideas, and we're also prepared to admit that some of the ideas we may have out there don't turn out to be right. So it, January 25 this year was your your uh, your your D-Day. Right. It was nice. It was a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to know what to do on that Sunday. Yeah, but the media found you anyway. <laughs> right. So the fifth year anniversary of your commissionership, so 2020, mm -hmm. uh, what will you have done? I, I hope that um, we will have reclaimed um, the next generation for baseball. I think the most important challenge for us is to make sure that we pass on to the next generation of fans baseball the way that our parents passed it on to us. Try to hit that curveball, it's going to help you. I will. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. The producer of the show is Alex Cohen. Audio producer, Adam Wieson. Technical assistance provided by Jamie Weber, Tanner Simpkins, and Carlos Waddick. The executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Colarusso.